In this episode of Great Practices, I'm talking with Anna Morgan, a recruiter by day and job search strategist by night. Listen into this episode to get a recruiter's view of the PMO and project management job prospects, what you can do to find a new position, hence it starts way before putting your resume together, what you should never do when looking for a job, and how to make the most of phone and virtual interviews. You'll also learn the relationship between your LinkedIn profile and your resume, and that it's got to be more than just copy-paste. Plus, find out how Anna came up with the hashtag CareerBFF and learn how she became both a rescuer of dogs and careers. It's hard to say when something is a best practice, but it's much easier to know when something is a great practice. And that's what this podcast is all about. Interviews with PMO and project management leaders who, through years of trial and error, have discovered their own great practices and are now sharing their insights with you. Now, sit back and enjoy the conversation as Chris Kopp uncovers another great practice in this episode. Well, we'd like to welcome you to this episode of Great Practices. And we have been through an interesting couple of years when it comes to project management and PMO careers. Um, The supply and demand curve for project managers kind of fell on the demand side in a big way where companies, you know, they just couldn't find enough project managers and PMO leaders to fill seats. Then we've been through the great resignation, people quitting, Uh, They didn't even have a job. Maybe they didn't like what was on the menu that day and they decided to quit. And within a week, boom, you can see them on LinkedIn and they're saying, oh, I'm happy to say that I've accepted this new position at a new company. This whole strange, quiet quitting narrative, which fortunately seems to be taking a little bit of a back seat. And now maybe it seems as if that supply demand curve is shifting a little bit toward the uh, employer side where companies are being able to fill positions a little bit quicker. So what a ride this past couple of years has been when you reflect on all of this that's gone on. Wouldn't it be nice to have someone that was going on this ride with you to help you navigate the way? Uh, Maybe your best friend could come with you on this trip. Maybe your career's best friend. Well, that's who we have on today. Uh, Anna Morgan bills herself as a career BFF and is a senior recruiter and job search strategist. So we're absolutely looking forward to uh, what insight and advice she can provide when it comes to our project management careers. So Anna, we'd like to welcome you to Great Practices. Thank you, Chris, for having me. I'm so glad to be here and to become a career BFF to you and all your listeners. So I really appreciate it. Excellent. Well, we're looking forward to this conversation. So let's let's start off, first of all, just kind of telling us a little bit about yourself and what you do. Absolutely. So I hail from Atlanta, Georgia, and I am a recruiter by day, a job search strategist by night. I have been a avid rescuer of animals and also of careers. I am an advocate for ADHD and neurodiversity. I tend to talk about supporting the underdogs, and many of those with squiggly careers uh, tend to have been affected by addiction or recovery or alcoholism, and in service of breaking the stigma of addiction, talking about addiction, I tend to share a little bit of my story. Um, I have been sober for 11 years, 
but I pride myself on being a talent leader. I have worked all different types of industries and I want to you know, create great experiences for both hiring teams, candidates, and also serving job seekers as I do um, as their career BFF, um, you know, through my coaching practices, the BFF method and 12-step career BFF. Fantastic. You, you kind of sound like a, a superhero. You're a recruiter by day, job search strategist at night, right? You That's got, right. Yeah. <laughs> you were uh, a cape or anything like that? Multi-dimensional uh, personas, right? Yeah, that's right. That's good. Now, I love that career BFF um, hashtag that you use everywhere. Can you tell us a little bit, a uh, little bit about where that came from? Yeah. So I, I you know, kind of hinted at it uh, earlier, where I had been thinking about my business. I decided that I was ready to coach and bring together my recruiting ex expertise, my sales and business management, and my personal branding uh, elements, uh, as well as you know, just being of service. Decided to start my business right before the pandemic had hit, and I was brainstorming with a creative friend who's known me for a long time and who knew my obsession with uh, rescuing dogs. And he said, Anna Morgan, a dog's best friend. And then he looked at me and he said, Anna Morgan, a career's best friend. And then like just the light bulbs went off because it like just absolutely embodied kind of my energy and my personality and just what a career BFF is. And so then I decided to run with the hashtag, hashtag career BFF. And I've built a following uh, with that hashtag, mostly on LinkedIn, but yep. I definitely use it in other places. And, you know, it just is that little branding element that helps people understand what I'm all about and to find an easy way to, you know, follow me and, and be a part of the hashtag career BFF movement. Yeah, no, it's great. It's very easy to understand. You immediately, you immediately get it when you see it. So nice, nice, uh, nice job coming up with that one. Thank you. So let's talk about uh, careers and uh, uh, what's going on in the marketplace right now. So how is the market looking for finding a new position in general right now? What, uh, what are you seeing in the marketplace? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I mean, it's been like the Wild West out there. I, there's a lot of uh, varying elements depending on industry and position title and or level. Yeah. I think your industry and the and the folks that you typically, you know, engage with and talk about, you will still continue to have uh, demand yeah. for your type of talent as companies look at doing things better and more efficiently and streamlining processes. Um, also in service of, you know, solving the reshuffle, the quiet quitting, um, you know, the great resignation companies are looking, you know, not only in the PMO kind of process that you focus on, but you know, how that, how they can have a healthier workforce, a more engaged workforce. And in order to do that, my hunch in intuition is saying that, that is going to require more resources. Um, now, Insanity is doing the same thing over and over, expecting different results. Uh, I sometimes wonder, you know, when companies will experience enough pain 
financially that they will start to really wake up and this you know to the fact that more resources more people more investment uh, in your people will create a better bottom line for them down the line right uh, unfortunately, we live in this instant gratification. Uh, we want everything now and yesterday that we are, um, I think, still in some of these ups and downs depending on the positions. But yeah. overall, I am cautiously optimistic that Q1 of 2023 is going to look pretty decent uh, from a hiring perspective. Okay, that's good. And I mean, you know, I mean, you can't really forecast much further than that. Right. I mean, a quarter is a uh, quarter is, is, is pretty good. And, mm-hmm. um, and if you're, you know, you're saying that companies are investing or focusing on a more engaged workforce. So they're realizing that they have to do that. What are some of the things that you're seeing that companies are doing to have a more engaged workforce? That's a great question. I mean, I think they are hiring more resources, different teams, like more, you know, bodies to help do the amount of work that needs to be done. One, um, I am seeing companies become, you know, more creative with attracting top talent, um, which definitely creates some challenges in certain spaces as far as, you know, can they attract completely remote talent? Um, can they offer flexibility with hybrid options? Are, can they, you know, flex on vacation or um, other total comp features that really lean into, again, solving some of the the reasons that we've had some of these reshuffles where job seekers and people in general are just more in in touch with, you know, what's really important and do they want to give all of their energy and time to an employer or a function that is draining and not great for their mental health or takes them away from their family. So you're definitely seeing more of these conversations. And I feel like this is something that we can be thankful for of the pandemic, that it has started more of these conversations about mental health and looking at our employees and associates and leaders as more than just their title or more than just that piece of paper of a resume. Um, So, you know, benefits, travel, I think um, job seekers, especially younger ones, want more self-development. They want more certifications and training and uh, performance management and clear uh, career tracks is what I'm seeing as I'm working with talent, not only coaching, uh, but interviewing, you know, through my day job. Yeah. So that's, it's interesting. So it sounds like that engagement is really, it's, it's really kind of, um, to be successful at that, it's got to focus around flexibility, um, you know, and, and really balance, right. For the employee. Yeah, I think it's, employee. it's flexibility. I think the, the companies that are going to, rise above and stand out are those that really are a people over everything uh, company, right? That are more than just talking the talk, they're walking the walk and understanding if you don't have the right people or resources in place, you know, you can have the greatest widget or product or service, but if you keep having this, you know, 
door that's revolving, um, eventually it's going to catch up with you. So flexibility, authenticity, I think the rise of continued employment branding um, and social selling is going to be critical. And it's going to require more people than just the marketing or the talent teams to be involved in spreading the message of who the organization is and what they're all about um, in order to retain and, you know, attract uh, top performers. Yeah. It's very interesting how it's, it's changed over these past couple of years, isn't it? It is. I mean, I faxed my first resume, <laughs> so <laughs> just dated myself there. So let's, um, let's kind of shift gears toward an employee mindset now. So what, what is the best path? What's the best way to find a new position? So how, how would you even begin to talk to somebody about that? Yeah, you know, I have really strong feelings about the resume and I've, I've been kind of reconciling this with myself recently. And you're, you're probably one of the, you know, third or fourth people that I'm going to speak about this to. I'm a recruiter. So I look at millions, thousands of resumes every single day and I make decisions on them you know, a hundred times a day. However, I do not like that the resume gets all the attention when it comes to getting a job search, because there are so many steps prior to, you know, updating your resume, right? It's your mindset. It's your motivation. It's your mental health. It is do you have all your accomplishments and brag book together so that you could actually have a conversation? Um, I think anyone who ever considers to make a change that it would be in their best interest to always be visible on LinkedIn, not just coming to LinkedIn when you're angry at your manager or you didn't get your performance review marks that you were hoping for or because you're worried that there's pending layoffs happening. This is where people get themselves into trouble. And what I have learned from my personal experience that my visibility on LinkedIn has created a ripple effect of not only career insurance, but opportunity after opportunity because people resonated with my story, with my content. They trusted my leadership voice and therefore, you know, I was top of mind. And that is where job searching has changed um, from 10 years ago. There's that social selling, or I call it like social job searching. If you are consistent and showing up in some kind of capacity on LinkedIn, you will have more consistent incoming opportunities. And when or if you need to call on your community for support, you will have earned the right to ask for their support. Can I tell you a story? Absolutely. <laughs> I know this is, I know I'm asking you questions, but you just, you just flagged it to me. I don't know what it was. It was 20 years or so ago. And I was, I had a young family. We were at Disney World and uh, I got a, a call from my manager said, Hey, I got some good news. I got some bad news. Good news is you can take a longer vacation. Bad news is you can take a real long vacation because uh, the company's going out of business. Oh, so no. basically, there I am with these two small kids, and you know, wondering what I'm going to do when I get back. Spending and your I, whole paycheck at Disney. <laughs> exactly, and I had not done what you had just said about being visible. 
right? And it was it was different time back then, everything like that. But I remember coming back and I remember picking up the phone and saying, hey, this is Chris. I know I haven't talked to you for 10 or 15 years, but I need something from you. Can you help me out? Hey, get, you know, I went through that conversation over and over and it just did not feel right. Now, people were gracious. People helped me out. But at that moment in time, that was when I started my social campaign of just sending out like a monthly touch-based newsletter with some tips and tricks that I found useful to my network. And I just stayed visible for the, all of that time right there. And that made such a big difference, you know, because it's just like, that is the worst feeling when the only time you go to somebody is when you're going to need some, some help from them. And that's exactly what you're talking about. So you're saying, you know, just be visible, put that value out there, you know, constantly show up. And that's when that really, you know, that's when that pays off. So basically, you know, you, I'm not saying you should always be looking for a job, but that kind of is you're putting yourself out there in the market to be able to do well, that. Well, right. I mean, it's it's so that you always have incoming opportunities, right? right. Because they're going to see, you know, and it like a lot of people get completely freaked out that they're like, I have to be a content creator. And it's like, no, you don't, you don't, you don't. LinkedIn just wants to know that you're here yeah. um, and there's a way to build your profile. So if you did want to be found, you know, recruiters like me could find you and we would really appreciate what's in your, you know, your profile. Um, but it's just that it, it's that brand awareness, right? So yeah. if you're looking for a job, you know, if you're in active job search, there's three things that you should do. You know, you want to apply to positions because that is a problem companies are looking to solve. Two, uh, you should be building your personal personal brand, um, and you know, and th and then be active on LinkedIn. So, building your personal brand and I guess being an active on on LinkedIn are essentially the same thing. So, if you are looking for a job, again, you should be applying for positions, uh, be visible on LinkedIn, and then networking. So conversations convert. Um, and that, like you had said, was the tricky part. You know, if you are consistently keeping up with, you know, people in your past, people that you volunteer with, you know, connecting with people that you volunteer with or go to church with or that your kids play ball together, you know, all of those connections, the most unlikely connections are the ones that can open the, the biggest doors for you. Yeah. And if you do those three things, um, you should have success. But there's, you know, a lot of times uh, a lack of balance between those. And like I said, People get fired up that the resume is the first thing that they have to do, uh, when in fact, if they had been networking, staying visible, um, and then doing some of the inner work, because I believe, you know, working on ourselves, staying healthy mentally, physically, spiritually, those are the things that sell the resume. I mean, I've I've hired and advocated for people, thousands of people that did not have a great resume, you know, uh, but there was something that made me reach out. I had a conversation. They were, again, way more than a piece of paper and ended up being incredible hires that I was able to be that person that gave them a chance, you know. So I think people have a much greater chance of elevating themselves when one, they do the work on themselves Two, you know, they build their brand and three, they network. So it almost sounds like, you know, a resume 
is a formality if you're doing it the way that you're you're talking about doing it, right? Well, you know, it's kind of like you, you got to do it to submit it and that type of deal. Ha- but- and, okay, but this is where on the flip side of working in recruiting and being a talent leader that I'm having the tough cha- change, you know, conversations to help change the way we hire. And I loved your question uh, in our, our pre-show conversation about like, does a resume even matter? As a modern day recruiter, I a thousand percent prefer the LinkedIn profile over a resume. Interesting. But there's how you structure it uh, for what its primary purpose is for, you know, there's some variances there. Um and I don't think the resume is ever going to necessarily go away. Uh, but, you know, how will we do this moving forward? And how will we do it with more equanimity and less bias? You know, and, and is what is the difference between like a resume and then what it would look like on a LinkedIn profile? Is it, is it just not a matter of like just kind of copy paste type deal or is there, is there a difference that you have to do when you put it on LinkedIn? I believe your LinkedIn profile should be something that complements your resume. Okay. Because again, with what we've experienced through the pandemic of realizing that, wow, we are more than just employees. Uh, This is a way for you to, from a personal branding place, connect with people, right? Uh, It's oftentimes that golden thread of commonality that makes someone go, I get that person, right? Or, oh, I coached lacrosse too. Or, oh, I am an advocate, you know, for breast cancer as well. Um, Those connection points build trust. And when we trust people, we hire them uh, just like brands. If we believe in their purpose and what they, the problem they solve, then we will buy them. You know, an example is like, I've someone who's, you know, struggled with my weight uh, up and down. And, but when I see an Athleta magazine or a Lululemon, you know, advertisement, you know, advertising a, a medium to larger size body, I'm like, I want to support them. Um, so it's that that psychology of connection. So the LinkedIn profile should be different than the resume. It should kind of elevate the resume, tell a, a better, a, a more creative story, if you will. Well, and I think you're, you, you know, you're, you're, you're marketing yourself, right? And, and that's, so it's complimentary, but then that is the whole classic no like trust, you know, that you have to do from a from a marketing perspective, you know, that uh, you know, raise that awareness, you know, like what like what you're seeing, and then that's when the trust will come from that. So um, you know, makes perfect sense as far as how that would flow. So we've talked a lot about what you should do when looking for a new position. Let's kind of let's go the other way. What should you never do that you do see people do a lot that people think is like, oh yeah, this is what I've got to do. What, what falls into that category? You know, I have so much compassion for job seekers, especially those that have been in job search for a longer period of time, because it is so overwhelming and so confusing. And so there are a lot of people, especially on LinkedIn and other places, TikTok is really bad too for this, where, you know, people are touting themselves as coaches and experts and they've never hired anyone. They've never looked at resumes. They've never sat with hiring managers. Uh, And so I would say, watch and be aware of the content and the voices that you listen to. 
Um, there's so many things, but I'll try to, to be kind. Uh, another trend that I see when people get laid off, they make this long emotional post about their previous employer. And then they say they're looking for work, but they actually don't give us any tangible nuggets to grab onto from a like memory standpoint. They're just like, oh, I'm looking for an HR coordinator position. Like, give us a little more, like what kinds of in industries are you interested in? Tell us a little bit more of a story because what storytelling sells, stories make us remember things. Like if you think back way in the early stages, stages what did they do? They just sat around and told stories. Right. Um, do your research before you talk to recruiters, have some thought-provoking, not Google-searched questions to ask. Uh, send thank you notes. This has been a thing where it's like you ex you think that that's a normal thing that people do, uh, but it's becoming less and less. Um, and then follow up, especially with recruiters. I am seeing where people are like, oh, I follow up twice and then I'm, you know, forget about it. Well, with all due respect, if you saw my inbox and my <laughs> email, uh, I would recommend, you know, if you've had a first line screen with a recruiter and need an update and haven't been dispositioned from the ATS, uh, that you can at least follow up, I would say three to four times because in recruiting, timing is everything and recruiters want to get back to you, but the pure volume of roles that they're managing sometimes yep is unmanageable. And in order for you to get that visibility, you know, definitely follow up. Um, what else not to do? Don't burn bridges. Watch <laughs> what you say on LinkedIn because your social credibility and your social proof matters. Yeah. And there is that ripple effect that you can't control. Um, and I believe, you know, it's okay. And I share very vulnerably about my story. Um, but those are all things that if I was sitting in front of a hiring manager, I would not be ashamed to talk about. Um, and so I invite that same kind of curious communication style on social platforms and other places. Yeah, I, I want to, I want to, you said a couple, you said a couple things, follow up three to four times. Now, are we, when we're talking recruiter, are we talking like, um, a corporate recruiter, like somebody that is working for the company you want to work for? Or are we talking about like a third-party recruiter? What would, be the, what would be the difference there? I mean, I think it would be both. I mean, the agency or, um, you know, third-party recruiter, if they're not getting back to you, they probably don't have a client that they can represent you for, or they're probably thinking, you know, they can't make a commission off of you. So it's, right, right, your right. chances of getting a response from them are probably not great. Okay. Um, but I mean, and I think maybe this is my sales background or just that I always have demonstrated a lot of grit and hustle and, you know, get out there and, and get an answer, but like, don't be afraid. I would, I never looked at a candidate and was like, oh my gosh, Chris is following up again. If anything, I was grateful that they sent another message because then I'm like, oh wait, you know, that job didn't work out for Chris, but 
Now, since I've talked to Chris, I have another position that's perfect for him. So follow-up is also a way to build your brand and build the relationship with recruiters. And I think that's why I coach about the behind the recruiter concepts as well, because there's so many nuances that job seekers think they should or shouldn't do. And I'm like, let's try this and see if it works. <laughs> what, what is some of the, think back over, what are some of the more creative ways that you've seen people uh, try and differentiate themselves? You know, even, you know, even to you, like, is there things that were, were they, where they're going to be top of mind? What, what are some of those more creative things you've seen? Well, I mean, it's just the human nature. If they took the time to look at my, and this is before I had grown the visibility that I have now on LinkedIn, but if yeah. they had grabbed a personal element from my profile or, you know, demonstrated that they had a unique perspective on the company or really understood uh, the product or the service or the vision and the values of the organization. So, you know, customizing that and then communicating in an outreach message um, in a way that they would want to be communicated with, right? Um, A way to stand out is to proactively use language that demonstrates that you've done a little lifting on use on your side. So many times we get resumes that say, Hey, I see your recruiter. Let me know if you have a match for me. And we are not, we are, our purpose is not to match you with jobs. Right. (laughs) Our purpose is to find talent. And that's a big misconception of job seekers that they think recruiters, it's like, you know, we have these magic wands and we can just put people in these buckets and, and make, pers- you know, perfect placements happen. Um, yeah. And, and that, that is a nuance right there that you just said, because you, recruiters work for the companies basically, right? So your job is to find a talent. That's your, that's your main job, right? Right. Um, and versus, you know, we, if you're, if you're in the market looking for a job, then maybe they can fit you in that bucket. But that is like you're saying, it's like, you've got to come with more of a direction than just- Well, and come to us and say, you know, hey, uh, Chris, I'm curious if you specialize in this area of recruiting. Most recruiters should have a profile built that, you know, if you're a finance person and you're hitting up the marketing recruiter, you're probably not going to get very far, right? So one, that's reason to do your research on who the person is. And then if you're specific about, hey, I saw this posting with this rec number, do you manage it? And here's three reasons why, you know, I feel like my background's a good fit. Would you be open to a quick conversation or would you be so kind to point me in the right direction? As long as it's short and concise and they demonstrate that they've done some work, we're usually more than happy to point them in the right direction. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So this is what I'm hearing so far is a resume is still a thing. You know, it's going to play, it's going to play a part in the job search. There's a Mm -hmm. lot of pre-work that you should be doing in a foundation. You should be laying like for months and years ahead of that. LinkedIn should complement your resume um, and just kind of maybe bring you more to life and kind of maybe turn you into more of a human being uh, is what I'm hearing through that. Uh, Yes, a hundred percent. And then, and now, and now we're at the point where, we've got an interview, right? So you've kind of laid all this groundwork. So let's kind of give you a little bit tactical about what, what that looks like now. So, um, you know, 
are phone interviews still a thing? Is it all being done on Zoom and Teams now? What What are you seeing that transitioning or transforming into? Yeah, so um, phone is definitely still a thing. I typically do about four to ten phones, you know, phone interviews a day uh, in my current contract, and you know. I don't think phone's going to go away because Teams and uh, Google Meet and Zoom uh, conversations, you know, just require a heavier lift, right? Um, but I do think with hiring managers, we're seeing still more of the virtual interviews. Yeah. Um, organizations that have been back in the office, you know, they might be having people come in. I haven't seen a ton of that yet, uh, but with phone screens, you know, uh, there's still an element in doing well in the phone interview. Uh, and that's with showing up with your energy, making sure that you've done the research on the person that you're talking to on the job description and that you know your resume. That is a big area that, or your experience. But this is why I go back to, it's the inner knowing and the inner work that sells the resume. If you don't really know what you've done or what you like, it's really hard. It doesn't matter if you have all the great statistics and impact statements and qualifying numbers if you hated it and didn't <laughs> believe in it. That is, it doesn't matter. That's still going to come across and whether it's a phone, a virtual or in-person interview. Um, but yes, phone interviews are still very much a thing. And it's interesting to see how how people take them. Some get super nervous and they want to do their like one minute pitch right off the bat. And then others are like, where are you calling from? I didn't order that. <laughs> now, what about what about tips for like video, video interviews now? Because I mean, that's a thing, right? So what are your tips for that? Yes. So try your technology beforehand. Oh, Make right. sure that it works and you are, uh, that you have a backup plan. And that is the thing that I have unfortunately seen. It doesn't matter if you're entry level or executive level. They're just like, I don't know what happened. And I'm like, but this is kind of a testament to how you might prepare for a project or a presentation. Um, so we recruiters pay attention to that. So make sure that it works, that you've tested it out. And if you're having trouble, because you've gotten this far, you have earned the right to ask the recruiter to do just a quick mock test with you or whoever's facilitating yep. scheduling that for you. Um, if they don't, you know, that might be a red flag. But make sure your background is professional. If you use a uh, virtual background, just make sure it doesn't make you look crazy. Uh, test out your audio so people can hear you. I recommend that you have lights behind or on the side of your computer. So many people will turn their uh, ceiling lights on, which cast awful shadows on your face. Yeah. And people want to connect with your eyes. It doesn't matter if it's through your profile picture on LinkedIn or through Zoom, that's really how you're going to connect with your audience. So make sure your visual aesthetics are such. Yeah, no, great advice. I mean, yeah, look directly into the camera, you know, all that type of thing. And you're right. I, I, I've, I've interviewed people and it's like, 
literally they are just phoning it in because they're sitting in their car in a you know in a parking lot or they're now the car if they tell us ahead of time like if they're employed because we want to talk to people that will make time for us sometimes if they are smart enough to give us the professional courtesy to say hey will you please let your you know vps know that i will be in between appointments and i'm going to have to take the 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 call from the car if that is would be looked upon you know not favorably we can find another time now that's where it comes into play with building trust with your recruiter and your recruiter helping to manage that experience with you as a job seeker got it great advice well this person didn't give me the heads up so yeah (laughs) well and they do and they might be or like, what's the point? I see so many people, even in, you know, business meetings nowadays that never turn their camera on. I'm like, yeah. why are, why are we doing this on teams? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. Well, this has been a wealth of knowledge and insight from a very unique perspective and um, just really appreciate, you know, really appreciate your view on things and, um, you know, just really good advice on how we could, how we can, you know, navigate this, this career, uh, this career path that we are uh, going down there. Um, Is there anything else that you can share uh, that will help our listeners with their career that perhaps we haven't covered? What else? I would recommend, this is an area that I, I, even myself, like I wish that I had done a better job of, you know, keeping the brag book or, you know, documenting, keeping a, you know, career journal of my wins and my successes. I definitely recommend people have not only this kind of brag book of their quantifiable accomplishments and things that they have accomplished in the professional arena, but also include things where you might've done it outside of the professional environment, because those stories always speak to your leadership, right? And again, that, that marketing connection piece. So make sure you're, you're tracking that. And for those that might be struggling in the job search, you know, also create kind of like your, your I'm great folder or a place where you can keep your receipts or your screenshots or, the things that people say about you that you're naturally really good at. Because when we sometimes start a career journey or think about making changes, we actually forget how unique and skilled and powerful and amazing we are. Um, And we get into this space of trying to make ourselves fit in these boxes, uh, which again is what ignites that imposter syndrome and uh, breaks people's confidence. So if you're maintaining those things, you will always have a place to come back to. And that's how you can be, or people can be a career BFF to themselves. When they take that radical ownership of making sure have the things that they need so they can remember, you know, what they're capable of and really what matters to them so they can progress through a search or, uh, you know, through, getting a promotion or, or, you know, moving through an organization with ease and flow. That's a big thing for me that, you know, we don't have to be in constant angst uh, in our careers. You know, we can truly do work uh, that we like and enjoy. And that is a part of something bigger in serving organizations and, and their primary purpose. Now you, you've mentioned this brag book, like 
two or three times throughout a conversation. What, what have you seen that brag book look like? Like, what are, what, what are you talking about there? So I picked up the term brag book from another fellow coach of mine that, uh, works with pharmaceutical sales folks, but it's, it's basically a folder of where, you know, you would keep all of your assets, like your different versions of your resume. You know, when your coworker sends you a message in an email that, you know, compliments you, like just get in the habit of screenshotting that and, and dropping it Got into it. A, a Google drive. So, you know, one, you can go back to it and remember what you're all about and actually that you are good at your job because we all have those weeks where we're like, oh, why did I, what's happening, you know? Um, and so it can it can be whatever you want it to be, essentially. Um, some people like to keep a manual journal of, you know, tracking each quarter or each week what they have accomplished. Um, do what works for, for your schedule, but put it into your calendar to remind yourself just to, to take a moment to, you know, make sure that you're, you're filling that up because it will always make it easier for you when you need that information. Kind of the, the same concept of being consistently visible on LinkedIn. If you make that a part of your practice of your social media uh, engagement habit, you will, you know, be so more well-served as you move through your career because LinkedIn is with us for our whole career, you know, which is one of the other million reasons I love it. (laughs) So Anna, what's the best way for anybody that would love to have a career BFF get in touch with you? What's what's the best way to do that? Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, LinkedIn is where I spend all of my time. Uh, It's Anna Morgan-RP-Recruiter-CareerBFF backslash. And I uh, detail you know, my life on Instagram with, you know, lots of dog content, uh, you know, trying to get myself out of bed to go to yoga. Uh, You never know what you might get on Instagram, but I'm also on Facebook and I do stream every Thursday at noon from my business page on uh, LinkedIn Career BFF. And that goes out to YouTube and Facebook as well. But message me on, on LinkedIn for sure. Thank you. All right. Well, hey, we appreciate you being on uh, Great Practices today, and you have shared some great great practices uh, yes. for our listeners. And uh, I know that uh, those that listen will absolutely be able to benefit uh, their careers by putting some of this advice into practice for sure. Fantastic. Thank you so much for having me. And, you know, I just encourage people to, you know, be a career BFF for others, especially, you know, in your world with a lot of people wanting to get into uh, project and program management. Uh, They're looking to learn from the leaders in your space. So hopefully they will accept that message, set up that coffee chat and be, be a career BFF. So your industry continues to expand. Excellent. Thank you very much, Anna. We'll talk to you soon. Bye. Well, that was another great episode of Great Practices, and uh, we really appreciate Anna Morgan coming on and sharing her uh, insights with us as a recruiter, uh, a career strategist, and very helpful uh, as far as some of the things that we can do as project managers, PMO leaders, to uh, make sure that our careers stay on track. So what were some of the great practices that came out of today's episode? 
Uh, let's talk about how to find a new position. I like the fact that uh, she doesn't like that the resume gets all the attention because things are changing now. And there's a lot of steps that need to be done ahead of the resume, whether it's uh, your mindset, motivation, uh, maybe putting together that brag book that she talked about. You know, that's just kind of like a, a tangible representation of the work that you've done. Always be visible on LinkedIn. And uh, I like that because it is true. You'll see people pop up. I hate this and this just happened to me. I didn't get a good performance review, whatever that is. It's like they'll just pop their head up out of that hole and that's just not a good look, but you want to be consistently visible uh, when it comes to showing up on LinkedIn. The three things that you can do uh, to really get a job, and it may seem common sense, but it just takes a lot of effort. Three things. Number one, apply for the job. Uh, number two, you want to be visible on LinkedIn. And then third, just keep that networking, you know, that networking muscle just active because like she said, you just never know where your next opportunity is gonna come from. What about the uh, difference between a resume and what you post on LinkedIn? You know, I'll, I'll be honest with you, I thought maybe just copy paste would kind of be good, but that's not what uh, she's recommending. LinkedIn profile complements your resume. It really just kind of shows more of um, maybe the person side of things and that you are a human being and that you've got interest outside of work, that you've got some personality. And you could do that with uh, the different articles you post, different videos you post, all of that type of thing. Again, you got to be mindful that it's not something you're going to regret later. Uh, but by doing so, that really kind of complements what's on your resume and shows that person that you are a human being. What about what you should never do that she sees people do? One of them is basically take advice from just anybody that says that they're a coach or an expert, <laughs> you know, and that's true because during this, uh, during this pandemic, many people have resorted to coaching and calling themselves gurus and experts, and maybe they haven't done what it is that they're purporting to do. So you want to make sure that they uh, have you know, giving you good advice, basically. So watch and beware of the voices that you listen to. This was also great insight. Uh, she mentioned that there'll be a long emotional post on LinkedIn. You know, I'm sad to say that after so many years, I've uh, no longer with my employer and I'm looking for a new job. Okay, that's sad. But she's also saying, give us a story. Stories help us remember things. Tell us more specifically what you're looking for. Uh, in order to help the recruiter being able to place you in the right spot. Stories make us remember things. So if you can attach stories to whatever it is that you're saying, it's going to be that much better. And do your research before you talk to recruiters. I thought that was also uh, kind of a, a good point. It's just not like just show up and say, hey, you got anything for me? But actually do the heavy lifting. Say, you know what, I'm looking at this particular position Here's the, the three reasons why I think that I would be a perfect fit for this. Here's my brag book that would kind of show you that this is exactly what I've done in the past. Fantastic advice, right? So the recruiter's job is to fill a position. It's not to get you a job. Now, you just so happen to be the person to fill that position. Everybody wins. But help recruiters do that.
So now that you've secured an interview, she also gave some great practices when it comes to uh, what an interview is going to look like. Uh, I thought this was interesting. She said phone interviews aren't going to go away because it's not that much of a heavy lift. Um, you know, a phone interview is simple. It's quick. It's really kind of a way of vetting out or that very first phase of vetting somebody out. And then it could move over into obviously a Zoom or a Teams interview. But again, with a phone interview, show up with that energy. Do the research. Know your own resume and your experience. And it's like, that's pretty profound also because you can put stuff on the resume and it may be years old. You may have forgotten what that is. And somebody asks you about it and you're like, mm, you may be hesitating or may stall a little bit. That's not going to translate well. So really become familiar with what's on your resume. Have a story to tell for every single line item that's on that resume uh, and accomplishments on there. Again, stories will help uh, recruiters remember you better. And is it okay to interview from the car? Yeah, if you uh, set up the expectations that, hey, I'm between appointments and I am going to need to be able to take it from the car, is that okay? And if it's not, then that could be rescheduled. So if you've made it that far in the interview process, uh, Anna's point was you've earned the uh, right to ask that and see if that's something that uh, you could do because you do want to have your best look and your best foot going forward. So those were just some of the great practices that I picked out of today's episode. And again, we'd like to thank Anna for coming on today and uh, sharing that insight with us. Now, do you have a great practice that you'd like to share? Uh, just go to the pmoleader.com, click on content, great practices podcast, and fill out the form at the bottom of the screen. Uh, someone will get in touch with you shortly. Also, be sure not to miss a single episode by subscribing to Great Practices on your favorite podcast platform. And uh, if you like what you hear, be sure to share this with your manager, your colleagues, anybody else that you think would benefit. Thanks again for listening to this episode of Great Practices and keep putting great practices into practice. Thank you.